Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Brady. I'm here with co-host Lou Weiss, who is president of All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for open die forgings and seamless roll rings, go to steelforge.com. And joining us today is Anthony Nieves, who will speak to us about the services report on business from the Institute for Supply Management that you can find at ismworld.org. Anthony, thank you for joining us. You've got some exciting news for us today. Good morning, and thank you for having me on the show, gentlemen. Our pleasure. So tell me, is the number high or low? Well, we've reached another all-time high. Uh, we thought March, uh, when we hit that high, it was like, wow, you know, after the pandemic, we knew there was some pent-up demand. And uh, when the numbers came in back in March, uh, we were like uh, blown away by that. And then we see that we had a little bit of pullback in April, uh, ever so slightly. And now here we are again with a new all-time high. I think a big contributor to that is that all 18 industries in the services sector reflected growth uh, for the month of May. Wow. And I think that the service, one of the service areas uh, going forward, particularly restaurants, probably next month and a month after, it's going to be right off the boards. Oh, no question. I think that uh, this pent-up demand, uh, kind of the analogy of a jailbreak, everyone wanting to get out and frequent establishments again and, and get back to some sort of normalcy as we see the uh, COVID vaccination uh, increase the distribution there of that and that uh, people uh, getting back to work. And, you know, one of the things that was very interesting that I read about recently is that actual wages are up uh, above pre-pandemic levels. So you couple that with stimulus money and uh, other savings and things of that nature that people have experienced over the past year and they're wanting to go out and spend, which is good for the economy. The challenge we're experiencing, and we see this throughout the whole report, is that with this pent-up demand, uh, we don't have the capacity there yet. We still have capacity constraints. We still have labor constraints. And as you all well know, in the manufacturing sector, we have material shortages and high cost associated with that. How your respondents feeling, Anthony? I know they've got to have expressed some interesting comments this month. Oh, they are definitely, uh, they further reiterate the, the fact that we've had pent up demand for the last three months uh, continuing and that there are a litany of challenges that are affecting uh, their ability to uh, even have more output, more capacity um, as it relates to the various industries that comprise this sector. But some of the big challenges that we've been experiencing continues to be the shortage of trucks uh, and very reliant on overland trucking, as we know in this uh, sector with the disparate locations of multi-unit service companies. We're seeing a shortage of truck drivers. Again, that's been ongoing for quite some time. We have uh, port congestion continues. Uh, both on the West Coast, Montreal, challenges in the Gulf, uh, weather-related, uh, slow rail service. This is all resulting in what we see a really uh, slowing in supply deliveries, the number up to 70.4 from the 66.1 last month, up 4.3 percentage points. Still strong. Backlog, 61.1. 
up from 55.7. Uh, inventories popped up a little bit. Uh, we see from having contraction the prior month, and that was having to burn off some inventory to meet some of the demand for that all-time high we had in March. And then again, uh, they replenished in April, and we see that the number <clears throat> contracted, and now it's upticked a little bit to just barely over uh, the 50 to 51.5. Uh, so still our respondents feel that their inventory levels are still lower than what their application is uh, for the business. So they're showing that 40.5 contracting down 6.3 percentage points on inventory sentiment. And that's how our respondents feel their inventories correlate to their levels of business. So we're seeing a lot of different things as far as, uh, and I know that Tim mentioned this in the manufacturing side, uh, the labor constraint is really affecting even uh, possibly reflecting stronger numbers because we just don't have the labor to backfill open positions. Uh, we mentioned, you know, people dining out in restaurants and whatnot. Every restaurant operator I talk to doesn't have enough staff on hand right now. And they're not even fully opened in all their establishments yet. So uh, this demand uh, can continue for the upcoming months. How long? Who knows? Who knows when the supply will catch up with the demand, but that's resulting in another situation, high prices. We're seeing inflation uh, coupled with material shortages. So that is really, uh, really impacting um, uh, both sectors of the economy. I just saw a, I just saw a uh, news item come over the wire this morning that there was a new poll taken where 66% of the unemployed right now, uh, particularly in these 20 states, we're going to have to go back to work because they're not going to be getting their unemployment checks. 66% of them are contemplating switching professions, professors. Uh, because they're concerned about being rehired, rehired and the stability of the job. Will I be laid off again? So they're now 66% of the unemployed are looking to change careers. That's a startling number. We see that uh, most notably in the accommodation and food services arena, mm -hmm. especially where you have lower paying jobs, lower skilled jobs, a lot of customer facing. And that... Uh, has worked uh, against the psyche of some individuals as far as whether or not they wanted to be at risk, uh, even though we're seeing COVID dissipate uh, over the last month, a few months with the uh, widespread distribution of the vaccine, still they feel at risk in those jobs. And that, uh, you know, they've been staying home because uh, with the stimulus money and the unemployment, when you have that lower paying job, it's almost a wash for them. And it's without having to you know, deal with any contact and customer facing. So, um, and they're looking at what do we do next because there is a labor shortage. So they do have some options and opportunities. Uh, we see it not only in those areas, but also in the skilled technical areas. Uh, what we're seeing is voids are being filled as executive search firms are going out there and replacing workers or uh, recruiting workers. They're just filling one void and creating a void somewhere else. So it's not really where uh, we have the applicable labor pool for some of these uh, skilled 
professional positions as well. So it's going to be an ongoing challenge for quite some time. And will probably continue for a while. Definitely, definitely. So in the manufacturing side of things, which also impacts services, uh, lumber is a big issue right now. We see it as the, the number one industry as far as percentage of contribution, the GDP for services sector is real estate rental and leasing and housing starts, new construction. Uh, we've had a litany of uh, issues with lumber, uh, starting with the tariffs uh, from Canada, where a good majority of the supply comes from. Then we had uh, housing starts. Um, when we had home sales, it used to be like one out of every 10 was a new construction that has increased that number. And then coupled with people being home in the pandemic, doing all these renovations and projects at home and other, even on the commercial side, doing a lot of renovation work has created this shortage. And then you look at the actual mills that were producing the lumber, they were hurting on uh, having workers. So they didn't have the capacity. So that has cost the uh, uh, lumber cost to, to be where they are today. And we had that with other things such as metals, as you know, steel, copper, throw in circuit boards and chips. And we just have this vortex of inflation right now. You think a jump from $400 a ton for steel to $1,600 a ton for steel in four months is a big jump? <laughs> it's almost as bad as the price for oil. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim and I have a different set of opinions on that. When oil is at $60, $65 a barrel, that's good for forging replacement parts, which all metals and forge produces. So $60, $65 a barrel is a sweet spot for us. But that means we'll be paying $4 a gallon at the tank. That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, Anthony, you're sector, the services sector, is kind of the victim of the manufacturing sector in the area of supply, because right now we have a shortage of container, a shortage of trucks and truck drivers, congestion at the port, a shortage of ships bringing goods in from overseas. Uh, Tim Fiore thought that that would last right through the end of the year. I have to believe that that's going to have a major impact for the services sector right into Q1? No question. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I didn't know that Tim had said through the year end, I was asked today on the teleconference and subsequent calls, what I thought um, this pricing and, and, you know, the supply and demand issues we have now, how long would it last? And uh, I mentioned on the show last month, how the Fed chair had said that he thinks this is temporary, it's an anomaly, and that it'll correct itself down the road once we level off with the, you know, this pent up demand and whatnot. And I had said on the call this morning, I thought it would be another six months or so. So it's pretty much in line with what Tim thinks. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily the worst thing that could happen. Uh, I think as, as long as we keep going, the way we're going and we show that we have this uh, you know, robust economy, um, it'll definitely uh, work uh, to the benefit in the long run. To your comment about the containers, I, I don't know if we spoke about this last month, but you know, the containers, the shortage is so bad. Everyone was in the past concerned about backfill and cost effectiveness and making sure those containers were full both ways. 
now because of the challenges uh, with the supply chain disruption, they're shipping those containers back empty just to get them there faster. Wow. So in the past, it might be filled with recycled items and whatnot. Now they're empty. And so it's just a matter of trying to really uh, keep up with, uh, with the demand. And it's, uh, it's been a struggle. Well, Lou, in your business, you're trying to get goods to customers and you're telling truck drivers, even though they've got half a load, go. Well, not only that, but one of the things that I'm finding, particularly domestically with trucking and so on, that there is a huge, huge amount of misshippings. It's like all of a sudden these dispatchers are getting things so screwed up. Uh, we have a uh, we have a manufacturing plant, but we also have a, a warehouse set in uh, Los Angeles where we ship goods into and then transship it to wherever the customer is. And last week, there were seven large orders, large, big, I mean, not little nuts and bolts, big. They went to seven different wrong places. Oh, wow. And that's just, I don't know if they have inexperienced people, that they've hired people who, uh, they hired people back who forgot how to do their jobs. Uh, all I know is that my logistics department told me that they still have not found two of the shipments. So, and the mess to undo that, to get shipments back from point A to back to point B so I can ship it to point C, uh, aside from it costing a fortune, um, I'm not sure that this is uh, going to resolve itself anytime quickly. You know, what's yep. interesting is that when there's logistical challenges and people are expediting and they say that, oh, I made a mistake. I didn't have enough time. I was trying to save time. Well, to do it correctly may cost you an extra five minutes versus doing it incorrectly is going to cost you weeks and months to right. fix it. Right. No doubt. Right. And, and the warehouse we're using say, it's not our problem. We shipped it. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what they said. <laughs> wow. Anthony, the lumber issue. We've seen lumber prices jump. Prices of new home construction is up 15000 30000 about 10% on the finished price of a home. Uh, is this because of the tariffs on Canadian lumber that still haven't come off? Well, it's a combination of not just the tariffs, but increased demand, limited supply. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we've had, um, even though right now real estate's waning a little bit as far as uh, uh, they had very robust sales in, in March and uh, April, May, we're seeing that going to come down a little bit, not so much at the timing of this report, but in the future. Uh, I just read something recently where it's kind of leveled off a bit, and I think it has to do with the high cost, especially on the new builds, some of the new developments out there. But again, all the renovation that went on during the pandemic, the do-it-itself, uh, do-it-yourself uh, home improvements, the commercial side, the lack of workers at the mills to produce product, to process it. Um, and the fact that then you throw in the tariffs, that's what's driven the cost up. Best meme I had seen in the last few months uh, was when someone said, I'm thinking about 
uh, selling my house for parts, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a high uh, labor cost to do that. <laughs> yeah, but look, at, look at the price of lumber. Uh, you would go to a, um, one of the uh, uh, wholesale uh, retail places to, to pick up lumber and for, you know, a thousand dollars, you can fill up a whole pickup truck. Now you're lucky if you get a couple of sheets of plywood. So, but <laughs> well, the housing market, and I'm sure this shows up in in the services side, uh, because I think that's where housing is, is in your side, is it not? Uh, real estate rental and leasing. It's the uh, largest contributor uh, to GDP for any of the service industries. Wow, well, that's interesting because here in the Atlanta market, and they just read where it's also occurring in the Dallas market, the Houston market, people are coming in with offers for cash. And in one instance that I read, somebody offered $100,000 over asking and lost the deal. <laughs> I don't crazy. know if that's crazy in California. It's definitely a seller's market uh, most places of the country. And I think that, um, and we're seeing that here in the, especially in the uh, Southern California area, the home prices are ridiculously high and people are coming in and getting multiple offers on homes. And uh, it goes back to what I said earlier. There are some folks that do have capital. They have the money, uh, wages are up, uh, savings are up. So they're looking to either upgrade or maybe a first time home buyer, who knows, but at the end of the day, uh, the inventory is not uh, available for them. And so there's getting multiple offers. Decades ago, there was a late night radio talk show person by the name of Barry Gray. I don't know if anybody knows that name anymore. Uh, well, okay, I'm showing my age. He, he used to say that at one time, there was an earthquake in Chicago and the United States tilted and all the nuts from the Midwest rolled into California. So that's how you got all those people there who are nutty <laughs> buying at ridiculous prices. <laughs> yeah, now they're exporting themselves to uh, other states. So look out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> well, the real estate market here in New Jersey is really hot. Uh, commercial market, though, uh, you know, everybody's beginning to find out that, hey, it's not so bad working from home. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't need 10,000 square feet. I need five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, that's having it's already beginning to have an effect on the commercial market. There's there's empty locations for sure. I know even in my office building, there are some suites that are empty. I see. So they haven't filled. They closed down during the pandemic or right before right after the pandemic. And uh, they haven't uh, leased them back out yet. Very common. Well, give us kind of a wrap up as you look across the summer months. Summer months tend to be slow for some businesses, hot for others. What, uh, what do you expect to see in the services sector going forward? Are we going to hit another new high? Well, that's, that's a great question, Tim. And I'll tell you that uh, I actually spoke about this earlier today that typically, as you mentioned, we see a lull in the summer months for this sector uh, historically. Um, and that's because of vacations and holiday and plants 
closing down, businesses closing down certain uh, in certain industries. And we see others, you know, the entertainment side where it might increase. I think in this case, uh, we're going to see continued growth going forward. It may not be at the high level of growth we're seeing now. I mean, there has to be uh, some slowing. It just can't continue at this current rate of having all-time highs month over month. Um, because exponentially, as we keep reaching more towards uh, reopening, it's, it's gonna, going to hit the wall sooner or later. But I think that because of the uh, pent up demand that is continuing, uh, we still do not have full capacity out there that uh, we'll see continued growth. I think we'll have to see some leveling off in the next uh, three to four months only because uh, it's just the way it's going to go. It's just you only have so much in the universe that you can uh, take advantage of. And, and so it's like a business cycle. So it'll eventually start leveling out. But let's keep in mind over 50, still good. Uh, I'll take 5859 take, until my retirement. There you go. Another 20 years. I was going to say, you have a long way to go, Lou. You're I do. Still young. I do. I do. <laughs> well, Anthony, we appreciate, as always, you joining us. This is the one place where you can find an in-depth discussion on the ISM Purchasing Managers Index number for the services sector. Uh, Anthony is on conference calls and other news shows, and uh, they give him a little bit of time. We love to give him as much time as he needs because it's a lot of important information in this report that you can find at ismworld.org. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on the show. See you next month. Take care. Bye-bye. you're surfing over to ismworld.org, stop at jacketmediaco.com, where you can find links to this show and our other podcasts, as well as our monthly magazine that we put out called Manufacturing Outlook. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>